For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Oh, here we go with another very special edition of the Kingdom of Pod here on the Believe Podcast Network. Jeff Caves here from Flower Mound, Texas. So much to get into. Of course, we'll talk about Jeremiah Dickey, the Boise State Athletic Director, uh, the changing of the guard with Brad LaRondo leaving, Coach Pete's involvement in all of this, the athletic director search process, and then ultimately get into the coaching situation with uh, Kellen Moore and Andy uh, Avalos. Thanks for joining me here. It's uh, at one point during the athletic director search, I took the time to sort of outline on, it may have been one of the social media channels, that, you know, when coaching searches and athletic director searches come and go, there's so many different decisions that are made at the spur of the moment and minds change that by the time sometimes you do the reporting, you have a different story that has happened behind the scenes and so you get hung out to dry. I uh, certainly was a victim of some of that when I thought that, uh, Jeff Purinton would be the next athletic director at Boise State. I was saying that, okay, uh, everybody's been eliminated but this dude. Uh, I had it verified through my channels that uh, he was coming in this weekend. I couldn't see anybody else that was even in the running that I had vetted through, through the sources that I'd had. And uh, ultimately when uh, Pete Dammel's uh, piece came out, uh I don't know what day that was at this point. I'm taping this, by the way, on Sunday, January 3rd at about uh, 9.50 Mountain Time, 10.50 Central Time. It seems like we have known uh, uh, about this athletic director hire. Uh, it got a formal word, of course, on the 2nd of January, but uh, somewhere on uh, the New Year's Eve time frame is when I thought Pete Thamel jumped in and said, okay, not so fast, friend. And... Uh, what I ultimately figured out is um, it was a New Year's Day uh, decision, and it was that New Year's Day bowl game that we were all watching with Alabama and Notre Dame. And, and I'm looking for Jeff on the sidelines, and I'm thinking, all right, that's probably the next Boise Athletic Director. He's not available because he's busy with the University of Alabama. Uh, I later learned, though, that morning on New Year's Day, he had been told he was out of the running. And uh, for whatever reason um, – now I've come to learn later a lot more about Jeremiah Dickey and, and, and what he offers and, and what a special person a lot of people who do this for a living uh, find him to be. Uh, but I just wanted to mention that if you followed along anything that I had said. And I did, I think at the time, suggest that uh, Puritan, the Alabama assistant AD, should uh, any contractual challenges, you know, withstanding, be hired as the next Boise State AD. Here he is. And then the the Jeremiah Dickey piece came out and I, I missed that. I had some sources that said that uh, President Trump had went ahead and told some folks uh, that, hey, you know, we've got our person, but she never gave the name of the person. And I, I screwed that up. And that's going to happen. I don't uh, absolve myself of making that mistake, but 
there was certainly a point in time through all this process where, uh, as I wrote in, in some of the things I distributed, I didn't feel like there was a lot of great communication coming out. And they have their own reasons why they weren't communicating outside of the people in the committee uh, because they wanted to protect perhaps sitting athletic directors like Maggard at Louisiana um, from any embarrassment for, for what they're doing. And so I get uh, all and in, in some of that. Uh, but this isn't about that. I just wanted to briefly mention if you're, I guess, tuning in looking for that, uh, there's part of that information. This edition of the Kingdom of Pod, uh, of course, is brought to you by betonline.ag. Look, NBA, college basketball's back. You've still got uh, the ultimate college football national championship game, the NFL playoffs around the corner. So if you want to make some side bets, have a little more action, a little more fun with what you're doing, uh, sometimes I like to do that. I know when I go to Vegas, I like to always have some sports bets down as I go out and do uh, other things like video gambling or whatever. Uh, if you like to do that while you watch sports, uh, head over to betonline.ag. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses they have for you. Again, that's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, and sign up today. Before I get into Coach Pete's involvement in this process, at least as I understand it, let's talk more about the guy that this whole process was about, and that's Jeremiah Dickey. Now, a lot is really sort of unknown about him, but in just looking over the information that's been provided and doing some searching, I know he's an El Paso native, that he's been at now Baylor since 2017. He came in as an AVP uh, for athletics, and uh, a lot of the smoke uh, about him or Baylor has been that sexual assault period of time and that was over when he came in most of the investigations were complete and so it's fair to say that Dickey was really kind of on the cleanup crew to to bring him in and his connection to Baylor was Mac Rhodes a guy that he had run and worked with before he's the senior advisory staff member to Rhodes who's respected and uh, I'll get into coach Pete's thoughts that must exist about Rhodes but uh, one thing about you know Dickey, he he went on and had, had done, did a lot of things in his career, including as recently as just two years ago, he got his master's in sports science and coaching from the University of Akron. That that shows some stick to itness. Uh, here he is at Baylor, still probably learning online from Akron and and working towards his master's. This is a diligent guy with a young family at home, uh, still hustling. Before he got over to Baylor, he was at Houston for seven years. He was an associate athletics director for development. He was promoted twice. I think that's important. He proved himself, and he became the senior associate for external stuff, which means fundraising usually and some media stuff. He was a deputy AD. Uh, he was their contact towards the overall strategies of uh, Houston and how they were going to raise money. Uh, he also handled the Alumni Association and any of their media contracts with IMG at the time. And he handled the Houston football program. There's that direct experience that I think was really critical to this job, that you be a sport administrator for the sport of football, um, similar to, say, Brad LaRondo's role at Boise State uh, or former no, uh, role at Boise State. We'll talk about Brad after uh, we get into this. But, you know, he did some good things at Houston. And their group is called the Cougar Pride, and they're claiming that there was fundraising records in seven consecutive years. 
And so whatever the numbers are, he was involved in that. And you have to be more boots on the ground to know how involved he was. A lot of people put that on their resumes, and that's where you have to dig deeper, have great sources. And every source is checking through on Jeremiah Dickey. He also ran baseball for Houston. Before he was there, he was at Akron. He was there with Rhodes. Uh, he was there for three years. He was assistant AD in the sales business, in development. And that's a tougher place to do it, and he did it. Uh, they were at $2.2 million and are, uh, they were from 900000 He got it to $2.2 million in about four years. Uh, he also worked at UTEP, where he started his career in 2003. Uh, he was in marketing and promotions, and then he went over to development. And again, to his credit, he you know started at UTEP, and got his bachelor's degree in sports management from the University of Texas uh, in 2004. So this kid's a hustler, man. He, he was willing to travel and get it done and work online or however else he did it. He has a, a family, a couple of uh, children and a, a, a daughter and two sons and his wife. And so they're making this big transition to come out here. The art of the deal in terms of looking at how Dickey was hired at Boise State, uh, I don't know, uh, but I the people that I've spoken to close to the information that had been uh, communicated to uh, everybody that was behind the scenes on this, and it was a little bit of a complicated process, uh, was that if Boise State didn't move quickly and hire Dickey, somebody else was going to, and that may have been that somebody else is Georgia, who looks to hire an athletic director and the only other FBS opening and so he did impress the most through the interviews uh, apparently uh, he was a little bit of an unknown coming into this process uh, but I think this is where coach Pete comes in uh, to Dr. Trump's credit if you go back and look at her release uh, that was put out on what she had to say the first things uh, in that press release were Dr. Trump's thoughts on her having consulted Boise State longtime observers athletic people and I think coach Pete certainly uh, was on that list, as were other former Boise State administrators, graduates uh, that she consulted with. But I think Pete was towards the top of that list right there with Dr. Bob Kustra. She got put in a tough spot where Dr. Trump was hired at Boise State right away dealing with a pandemic and then uh, having to reorganize her athletic department, which she thought was best interest of the school, and then you know, hoping that she had till March to get that fixed. Boom. Brian Harson checks out to Auburn, so now she's got two hires. Uh, the first time in the history of Boise State anything like that has happened, and I think she's just getting her feet under her. So she's turning to people that everybody tells her she can trust, and so she's got to trust people. And Chris Peterson's at the top of that list. And from what I understand it, through, through however Coach Pete did it, uh, Jeremiah Dickey is somebody that he was willing to say uh, could do a great job at Boise State. Not that the other five uh, alleged candidates couldn't, but he felt the strongest potentially about what he'd heard about him or what he's known of him or whatever his relationship is with Dickey and or Rhodes. So I think he carried some, some heavy weight in this whole uh, process, and I think it was important. Um, in this process, I think – uh, we have learned that Brad LaRondo, the Boise State sort of chief of staff for football, is no longer going to be at the uh, school. Brad wanted to be the athletic director, but at the end of the day, uh, from what I understand it, is that Power 5 experience was going to be required of the position. Uh, that's something that the outside perspective, the new techniques, the other thoughts that needed to come into the athletic department was valued by Trump and anybody else she consulted. Uh, it is fairly common in the athletic director's business uh, that you do get somebody that's aligned like that. There were all kinds of signals that uh, this was going to be a different kind of search anyway. 
and I don't think Brad um, really thought he had a, a great chance at this towards the end because he really never, well, he didn't get an, uh, an interview with the committee and really have an ability to lay out all of his uh, arguments on why he felt he would be the right guy to lead Boise State Athletics. So uh, I'm not bitter or sore over that. I think that just happens. I think um, in Brad's case, he's got a great opportunity with working at Auburn, working as the chief of staff uh, for Brian Harson. So that's a huge move for him and his career. And who knows when Boise State is again going to need an athletic director if they turn uh, to Brad LaRondo. Of course, it will depend on who's here at that time hiring and then uh, what kind of growth happens for Brad LaRondo at Auburn. But let me just add that if you don't know who Brad, uh, he's been there 27 years. If you've been close to the program, then you, you know him. I don't have to say. But let's just put it this way that – I felt one of the biggest assets that Brad LaRondo brought to Boise State Athletics was a guy that cared uh, beyond uh, a 50-hour week or a 60-hour week or a 40-hour week. He cared to the point where he certainly put some sacrifices in his life and put Boise State sports ahead of all of it. And I thought he was loyal to a lot of sports on campus. And when individuals who either played there, coached there, or administrators there uh, came back, and certainly the players – uh, he was the go-to guy. Uh, he had a smile on his face. He remembered who you were. He understood the contributions you may have made to the program. He understood the struggles you may have had with the program. And he always took the high road with you. And he made you feel important. He made you feel like you were uh, somebody that should be remembered, recognized, and credited with whatever contributions you had to putting Boise State football specifically into one of the most respected uh, I guess, limelights in the country when it comes to running a great college football program and that he was able to recognize that in you, the former player, administrator, or employee of the athletic department. And I, I, I think that's important that you treat people well. And Brad LaRondo, I think, treated people uh, well to a fault, some would say, of course. And I think that he's now going to expand his career. He'll be sorely missed, horribly difficult to replace, sometimes Athletic departments, when they get as tight as they are now with the pandemic, that's a luxury position. They may not be able to replace somebody who is just doing sort of relationship building and uh, that type of ambassador type approach. I, I think it's important, but hey, you know, it's easy for me to sit around and spend uh, other people's money. So Brad LaRondo uh, gone to uh, Auburn. Jeremiah Dickey in as the athletic director. Of course, now all the attention is getting into who's going to be the next head football coach where a lot of the tension should be. Uh, my personal view was this, that Kellen Moore and Andy Avalos are the greatest options for Boise State. And I really did uh, come around and to understand clearly uh, what Jeff Choate offers as well. And I'll talk about Choate in a second. But let's first deal with Kellen Moore. We always thought he could come back and be a head coach at Boise State, and I'm sure he did too. My thought was, if you're the offensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys, you're well-respected by your peers and around the league, and you're a young man, and you're making a minimum of $1 million on your way to up to 2 to $3 million as a coordinator in the NFL, which makes anywhere from $1 to $4 million, and you don't have to deal with the changes that are taking place in in Boise State right now, at Boise State right now, or, or in intercollegiate athletics, and you can stay in the NFL environment, haven't you hit where everybody wants to be? Yes, you really have. And shouldn't you see that through while you're working for the Dallas Cowboys? Yes, you probably should. And what happened? Kellen Moore got a three-year contract. 
And uh, does that mean Kellen stays as a successor to McCarthy if things to continue to develop? I would think so. That would be my initial thoughts. Uh, they've had such great results on the offensive side of the ball. So that was my position. I didn't. It wasn't that I don't want Kellen Moore. I'm looking at it from his perspective, and I think it's a better career move. Now, that being said, if I were the athletic director, I'd have gone after him still, even though he made the statement. I'd still want to talk to him and say, dude, I just want to tell you, if you've rechanged your mind, uh, we're here for you. Would you like to still be considered for this job? and give him the benefit uh, of that doubt. And if Boise State were to have been able to get Kellen Moore, I thought that was a huge win because that guy has a ton of options. I don't see much different for Andy Avalos. I think Andy could go to the SEC and be a defensive coordinator, maybe with Coach Arson, who he's done it with before. Coach Arson still hasn't named his uh, defensive coordinator. LSU has an opening, which I heard Andy's name has been connected to. And all of this also leads me down the road of he could also stay at Oregon where they'll probably have to up his pay, uh, which is around 900000 to hold on to him. So he's in a no-lose proposition. And again, he has to look at the budget at Boise State, which we now understand will be underneath Utah State's when it comes to hiring coaches. Uh, the overall athletic department budget and direction with Jeremiah Dickey has not even begun yet. And you have a, a president and Dr. Trump who's admittedly never done these types of things before she's finding her feet and uh, she's dealing with a pandemic for the entire campus and so Boise State's resources are depleted and nowhere near the resources of LSU Auburn or or Oregon for that matter so a lot of things for an Andy Avalos to chew on does it mean that I don't think he'd be a great get if they could get him no I think he'd be a great get uh do I if I'm Andy Avalos which I'm not you know what am I gonna do I'm going to look, listen, and learn and do what's best. And that may be, you know, staying as a defensive coordinator till a, a different job with much bigger resources becomes available because it's a balancing act just trying to decide where the group of five leaders are going to be in a couple of years as you're the head coach of the group of five program. And Boise State's way behind budget-wise. They wouldn't even be in the middle of the pack of the American Athletic Conference. So – their budget has a lot to grow in all sports at Boise State, and that's going to be Jeremiah uh, Dickey's issue, and, and that starts absolutely today. Lastly, let me add this, and I didn't want to make this long. I just really want to make it impactful and right to the point. Uh, you are listening to the Kingdom of Pod. Jeff Caves here on the Believe Podcast Network. Please rate, review uh, this podcast, pass it along to others. If you want to subscribe to it, have it come to you in your email. I also write occasionally and put things out that way. You can subscribe uh, quite simply through any of the places you get your podcasts, or you can go to uh, the website, uh, Kingdom of Pod, kingdomofpod.mailchimpsites.com, and you can sign up there, and everything will come to you. So lastly, where is this all with Jeff Choate? Well, the Montana State head football coach uh, has experience. He knows what he's doing. He's got a staff that has some former Broncos uh, already on it, like uh, Nate Potter, who's on this staff. And uh, Jeff Choate himself is a former coach at Boise State. And Byron Hout is the defensive line coach at Montana State. And you combine that uh, with the coaches that exist on the Boise State staff right now, like a, you know, a Gabe Franklin, a Winston Venable. Uh, there, there is at least some people that he is uh, familiar with from perhaps his time at Boise State or knowing him through the program. So there's a lot of advantages in in that I think financially there's some advantages too in that you know Andy Avalos would put together a staff of guys who 
maybe already making the kind of money Boise State's made and need more money to leave. Well, I don't think that's their situation to be able to offer more money. And Andy's going to need more money to want to leave. And that's where, as a young guy, he's going to put that uh, ahead and figure that kind of thing out. And uh, I think there's some growth for Boise State there. And if you look at Coach Choate, he's got a staff that even if they reduced the overall salaries that they could pay to football department uh, people, all the assistants, well, that would be far above what they're earning in a FCS program like Montana State. And and Jeff Choate wouldn't need to necessarily, uh, from Boise State's perspective, be offered a contract that would pay him as high as what Brian Harson made. Uh, remember, Harson didn't get paid what Pete made when he first started. And there is sort of that template in the business to to consider so from a financial perspective there could be a nice marriage there stabs and then an experienced guy who he's more of a bull in a china shop when you look at coach Choate, he's going to call a spade a spade he is a different person in that you know he came from a high school background an education background born in idaho uh, even spent time at twin falls a different guy very organized, driven, demanding. I mean, he's he's not going to stand by, and he's intense in how he'll answer questions in the media and so forth. <laughs> I don't think everybody may remember. He's a very ambitious person because at the peak of Coach Pete's popularity and success at Boise State, Coach Choate took off. He wanted more for his career. He wanted to be more of a, a position coach with growing into coordinator and then a head coach, and that was his ambition. And he was willing to even leave Coach Pete twice to do it. Uh, and he left Florida for Washington. He left Boise State for Washington State. He left Washington for Montana State. And uh, so I, I think Coach Pete would certainly be on board with either Jeff Choate or uh, uh, Avalos. But there's so much more to the picture sometimes about Andy's choices and, and budgetary situations at Boise State. So I just throw that out there because here on uh, – this podcast, as I tape it, it's 11.15 Central Time, and it's the 3rd of January. And on the 4th of January, there'll be an introduction of Jeremiah Dickey. And by that time, heck, he's already been on the phone with a lot of different coaches. So that's the Kingdom of Pod for now. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, pass on, and listen to the Kingdom of Pod. Thank you. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.